Welcome to Vision is More Than 2020, a podcast aimed at talking about your vision, your eyes, and how they play a role in overall visual and systemic function. Dr. Zolnicki and Lakowski, with the help of various guests, will work to help you understand more about your visual system and all the pieces to the vision puzzle. Hi guys, welcome to this week's episode of Vision is More Than 2020. We're going to be joined by a guest later in the episode, and she's going to be talking about how she was a VT naysayer and then became a VT advocate, which is a wonderful story, and we're so excited to have her on. But before that, let's talk about our weekly insight, which is we just celebrated Easter, and it was so wonderful to see uh, Daisy and John just absolutely go crazy over finding the Easter eggs. And it really is a great visual activity, right? It's like figure ground, figuring out where the the eggs are. And it was just such a wonderful day seeing them play and get excited. And we even did some fake bunny tracks in the house, which is Daisy just absolutely went nuts over because it looked like the bunny hopped through our house. How was your Easter with Teddy? Uh, I love that. I remember you did a similar thing last year and she loved it. Um, We had such a nice Easter, lots of different ways to practice Easter egg hunting. We did um, Easter Sunday with Paul's family, a bunch of his aunts and uncles and extended family that we hadn't seen in a little bit, which was really fun. And Teddy got to Easter egg hunt with his cousins and had so much fun. And then um, the remainder of the week, we are traveling to Syracuse to see my parents because Paul has spring break from school and my mom is going to set up a whole Easter egg hunt there for him too. Um, And leading up to Easter, he was practicing all around the house and so excited. (laughs) You know, the best part about having kids is reminding you of all like the simple joys in life and finding that Easter egg is literally like the best thing to them. And it's finding what's inside, you know, a penny, a piece of chocolate, whatever it's inside. And I think it just is a good reminder with everything going on in the world to to really just stop and appreciate the little things in life as we kind of go through all this craziness that we're we're experiencing. Right. And Easter egg hunting can really be such a good visual skill that he, to practice. He hides them on him, himself. He likes to hide them and then go and find them and hide his toys inside too. So it's good. We've been working on like looking at the size of something, evaluating it. And do you think it's going to fit in the Easter egg or not, which is a really good skill to learn. <laughs> I lo- I absolutely love that. Sometimes they fit and sometimes they don't. And I've had to work some magic to try to make them seem like they are fitting. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> okay, so, okay, so now we're being joined by Dr. Hutchins. She holds a Bachelor of Science degree from Memorial University, a Doctor of Optometry degree from the University of Waterloo, has completed the Optometric Extension Program core clinical curriculum, and has completed her fellowship from the College of Optometrists and Vision Development to become board certified in vision development, vision therapy, and vision rehabilitation. Her focus in developmental optometry has led her to become a clinical associate with OEP, become a member of both uh, VTC and COVD, and has driven her to implement the first dedicated in-office vision therapy practice in the province, successfully improving visual skills of patients through rehabilitation of learning-related vision problems, binocular vision problems, and visual issues secondary to concussion. Dr. Hutchins is heavily involved in the local optometry community, currently the president of the NLAO and the past chair of the Newfoundland and Labrador CNIV Foundation Divisional Board. She also enjoys spending time with her husband, daughter, and two dogs. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Hutchins. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And to get things started, tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to finding optometry as a profession. Thank you guys for having me. And my journey to optometry 
apparently I, I knew some point in high school, I guess, that I wanted to do optometry. I don't really remember that, to be honest. I do remember being in university and struggling with contacts myself. And I was nearsighted as a kid. And I knew I needed glasses before I actually admitted to my parents that I needed to go in. So it's probably around grade six. And, and that's when we're starting to learn about the eye. I'm like, oh yeah, this is me. Like I can't see. So it was like, okay, time, time to go get glasses. And then hated glasses, just the cosmetics. And I was just, I just hated it, I guess. That's, so I ended up doing contacts and I was an, I'm an allergy sufferer and a dry eye person. So I struggled with contacts so much. I was in daily, still struggling all the time. And I just remember like going back and forth with my optometrist a lot, trying to figure things out. And it kind of piqued my interest of, okay, like maybe this would be a good career. I knew I wanted to do science. Um, I debated like pharmacy and dentistry too. I don't think I can do like medical guts and stuff. And then optometry just seemed to fit somehow in there. So tell us, you have an interesting story because you own a VT clinic, but you were not always a VT advocate, a vision therapy advocate. Tell us a little bit about how you kind of got started into vision therapy or even why you didn't believe in vision therapy to begin with as a student. Sure. So I graduated from the University of Waterloo. And when I graduated, I felt like um, disease was more my thing. I really liked the disease aspect of things. And um, I didn't feel like I had a great grasp on BV at all. And I hated it. I really didn't like it at all. So as I went through primary care optometry here, uh, a few years in, a lot of my friends started to do the OEP courses. And one of my friends moved here. He was in central Newfoundland for a little while and he did all the courses. And I was thinking like, what is this guy doing? It's never going to fly here. Like now he eventually moved to BC. Uh, and I still thought like, he's crazy. And all my friends doing all these OAP courses, I thought like, I don't know what you guys are doing. And so many people from my class did it. And I was like, nope, not my thing whatsoever. Primary care optometry is where I'm at. So eventually though, talking to a couple of my close girlfriends, you know, you have your groups that you chat with and ask case consultations about my prescribing for kids and my confidence with seeing children was not there. So I'd always be terrified. A two-year-old comes in, I think they need glasses. And I'm like, I don't want to screw them up for the rest of their life. Like what about their, their development and stuff? So one of my girlfriends said, you've got to take OEP arts and science. Okay. Take this. It teaches you to think differently about prescribing. It's worth it. So eventually, and after enough of them have done that, like I obviously trust my friends, they must be getting into something that I took the course. And when I went there, Bob Hohendorf taught it. I remember him saying like, well, tell me about why you're here. <laughs> I said, uh, my girlfriends told me I should take the course. What do you think of VT? I don't know. Not really sure. Not, not buying it really, but okay. And I remember coming out of the course, having more questions than answers, but it was good. And I still wasn't sold. And then one day this young kid walks into my practice and she was maybe grade five or six. And her name is Megan, Megan is my why. And when she came in, her mom said, you know, she's just not reading to level. She was an accommodative isotrope, but well corrected with glasses um, and dealt with all that when she was younger with another optometrist. And I was just like, ah, there's something about this kid that doesn't sit well with me. Like I, she should be reading, like, she's a smart kid. Mom's great, kid's great. Why isn't she doing as well as she should be? And she reads with a reading rule, uh, just behind in school. So I was like, okay, I'll take VT1. And let me see what happens. And, like, and that was it. 
So I took BT1, and I took on this kid pro bono. I would stay after hours, after my primary care, and I would see her. And I saw her for a year. And then when I saw that it worked for her, I was like, okay, this, what I thought was voodoo, this works. And it, I saw her life change. Like, and we weren't trying to work on the strad because with her glasses on, she was, she was fine. She strad without her glasses. She was fine with her glasses. Her reading came along. And then I remember the day that her mom said she rode a scooter. She's never rode a scooter before. So now she can keep up with her friends. Like she's never rode a bike, never rode a scooter. Now off she goes with her friends and she can keep up. And her confidence changed. And all these things changed for her. And then we straightened her eye too. So now she's without her glasses. She learned to straighten her eye too. I was like, well, this is cool. Um, and I hadn't taken any of the strap courses still, but like I remember John Abdel said, stick with the grid one and, and you'll be able to, you'll have something like it's better than nothing. Nobody else in my area offers BT. And then after a year of working with her, all that happened. And I was like, okay, this, this is works. So that's, that's how it started. I think that's so impactful when you can see what vision therapy can do for someone's life and really see all the areas that their decreased visual skills were impacting them and how you're able to change and help their performance, not only with school for this girl with reading, but other things like riding a scooter that she never would really have the experience of doing. And I think that your experience with vision therapy is not uncommon. You know, I work at the Northport VA one day a week and I teach students and residents. And I think it's really about your exposure to vision therapy. And you don't always get that in optometry school. Sometimes you don't have control over what clinics you rotate through and what patients come your way. And I think there's almost like that fear factor sometimes with these patients, where if you haven't had that experience with them or the exposure and you don't know what to do, it makes you uncomfortable and you don't always know how to approach them. But once you start to have that one patient where you work with them and they really kind of guide and teach you through the process and you see what vision therapy can do for them, it really can be life-changing, not only for them as the patient, obviously, but for you as the provider too. So I love that journey that you found to vision therapy. So talk just a little bit now, you went through this whole experience and kind of really changed your viewpoint. What is your approach to vision now and the visual system when you're seeing your patients? Hero's Revive 2.0 is an award-winning cloud-based wearable platform that delivers real-time vision diagnoses based on a decade of clinical and scientific research at the University of Miami's Baskin-Palmer Eye Institute. This diagnostic health and wellness tool enables physicians to perform six vision diagnostic exams, including visual fields, contrast sensitivity, color vision, and dark adaptation. The lightweight portable platform improves access to care as diagnostic exams can be performed anywhere at any time, even in remote locations. A designated dark room or testing space is not required, and the Revive's platform's visual field test shows strong correlation to the current gold standard of care. Six diagnostic exams, five CPT medical billing codes, and a single wearable solution. The new reality in vision care has arrived. To learn more about this versatile platform, follow at HeroVisionAI on Twitter and Instagram, or visit www.seehero.com. That's S-E-E-H-E-R-U.com. So it's, it's, it's definitely different now. And I do do some primary care right now. I'm trying, the, the girls in my office are really trying hard for me to give it up. Um, and I, I slowly am because I can't keep up with the patient demand anymore. But I love seeing primary care though, in terms of seeing the kids and seeing them young, because I want to be the one that's there to guide the visual development now, right? Because just because you find it, I, I, one of the teachers in school, um, Patty Herenchuk said, 
refraction does not equal prescription. It was this big thing. It was a joke. Uh, one of the classes put it on t-shirts because she said it all the time. And it was one of the biggest things I ever took away from optometry school, though, that's really served me is that refraction doesn't equal prescription. Like just because you find this in a kid doesn't mean you should give it. Where are they normally? What's going on? And how are they behaving? Like I, I now ask, I guess, in, in every primary care exam, like what's the school status? Nice, fine. Like what does fine mean? Like are they behind? And that's fine. Is that okay? Because dad's like, oh, I was always behind in school too. Like, but that doesn't mean it has to be that way for your child. So getting into the primary care though, and learning about those things and catching them early and guiding them early. I love that. But in terms of looking at the functional vision assessments, like concussion, learning related, all that stuff, like it's just so different in how I now prescribe and what I'm thinking about and the questions that I ask. It's, it's just so different. And it took a long time, I think, for me to understand the different prescribing in the way that that we prescribe differently and everybody prescribes differently. But after going through OEP and then going through Bob Santa's course and then all the connections that I've made and the people who have guided me, like just the little things. And I've had two kids in the last week with glasses and the mom said yesterday, like a light switch just went off when he got the glasses. And all I did was add prism. That's it. I didn't change the prescription. It's just, it's so cool. And then another kid with just like, didn't prescribe before someone else didn't. And I just gave plus 50 with Prism again. And he's like, I can see the letters now. Like they're not moving anymore. Like just little things like that are, when you hear those things and the kid who picks up the book for the first time, it just totally changes the way you think about like the power of a lens. And I remember being told that so many times and thinking like, ugh. Like, I remember hearing that in OEP one and being like, what a rock like god one person does with a lens blah 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 now I like I drink the kool-aid I'm like I get it now <laughs> well you know it, it's funny because really I think that vision therapy doctors right and behavioral optometrists and developmental optometrists right we're really looking at the system holistically right we're looking at and holistically with an H but also holistically with a W right we're looking at the whole being and really looking at how they're functioning and how we can one guide but also um, retrain any compensations that they've made along the way. And I think for, you know, a traditional primary care optometrist, they just don't have that training, right? That we, it, it's taken you a lot of extra coursework to yeah. understand the visual system in a different way. And it, it really does, you, you don't see the, the patient the same way that you did five years ago, right? You, you see them completely differently. Um, so what would you say to those people, especially the optometrists listening, that think that vision therapy is kind of hooey? What would you say to them um, to, to, to kind of open their eyes to what you've learned over the course of the past few years? I mean, I usually tell them I was there, I was you. Um, there are days when I still think it is. I watch somebody walk differently with different prisms on and they're like, what witchcraft is this? I'm like, I know, I have no idea. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I know that it is, but it's just as so amazing to me every day that this stuff works. I think everybody's doing the best they can with what they know and they just don't know different. And what happens in school it's like, we're just telling it has to be this way. You have to prescribe max gloss for this. You have to cycloplege for this. And nobody, until I did these courses, no one said to me, but what about this? Like, what if you do it this way? Think about that. And I'm like, 
yeah, that, that kind of make, that does make sense. That's not how we live our lives. We don't live in a cycle huge state. Like Max Plus might not change a turn anymore just because it's supposed to buy the book. That's not how the world works. Nothing happens how it's supposed to. Um, so I think, you know, VT is not for everybody and that's okay. You know, and I also say to people, everyone can benefit from VT, but not everybody needs VT. So if people are, you know, naysayers about it, I basically just tell them this is, this is where I came from and this is my story. Uh, and this is why I think it works. And, and let's just sit down and think differently because if we lived our lives that way, you know, things like cancer treatment would never be what they are today because it was always that way. Doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. Like you have to be open to new ways of doing things or else the world never changes. Right. And I think you hit the nail on the head that, um, practicing vision therapy really helps you tailor your care to each individual patient. And it really helps you hone in on listening to your patient and asking those questions about what they're doing with their eyes throughout their daily life and trying to help them use their vision in the most efficient way, which isn't always by the book. Um, but, you know, patients don't always follow textbooks. Every person is an individual. And while, yes, there are basics to our visual system that everyone needs to have, not everyone uses their eyes in the same way. Um, so I love that you have really come to that realization and added that approach into your patients. I think that's really special. I think that's that's big in my primary care, though, too, because I always say to people like, OK, well, well, what do you do for work? Like, if you don't know what the person does for work, you don't know any. Like, that's a huge part of their life great. I work on a computer. Well, what kind of computer? How many screens do you have? What distance are you working at? How tall are you? Like the five foot woman versus a six and a half foot woman could be either is they're going to work very differently at different working distances and that impacts their lives. And the lenses you use, it'll make a huge difference to your life. And I feel like that part though could come into primary care optometry a little bit more by asking the questions about who they are as a person. Yeah, I think that that's a really critical gem from this conversation is that you don't need to do full-on vision therapy with strabismus and amblyopic patients mm -hmm. to apply what you learned, right? You've learned that there is so much more to vision than seeing clearly, right? That, that's, that's really the message here is that there is a functionality piece to our visual system that every optometrist should be thinking about when they're prescribing. And that's the key and the takeaway um, from what I'm hearing from you is just that you learned that seeing 2020 isn't the end all be all with our patients. And my best friend from optometry school, she was similar that she didn't, she hated like vision therapy. She's a disease contact lens, um, brilliant doctor, but BV and binocular vision is not her thing. But as she's been in practice and dealing with these complex specialty contact lens patients with advanced glaucoma, all of these surgeries, she has realized how important that question is, is how are you utilizing your eyes? What are your goals to see? And it has changed her, her thinking. And although she's not doing vision therapy, she's prescribing and having the thought process like those OEP courses really in, make you start to think in that way, right? It's hard to think differently about the visual system. So I think it's a really great message that you have that you're spreading that you don't have to believe in vision therapy, but you need to believe that there's a functional piece to the visual system that needs to be addressed in every appointment that you're seeing and every patient that you're seeing. Exactly. 
Yeah. So now, Sarah, tell our our listeners where they can find you and where your office is and it, any way to contact you if they want to talk more about your journey through this process. So I live in St. John's, Newfoundland. So it is in Canada, as far east as you can go in North America is where I live. And people are like, oh, by Maine. I'm like, oh, it's, it's by Maine, but you have to keep going. Like you drive for a number of hours, take an eight hour boat, drive for eight to 10 more hours, and then you're there. Um, so uh, you can find me at thevisiondevelopmentcenter.com is our website. We are on Facebook. I have it listed as, I think I still have my name on it because when I was in private practice, I ran, um, I did do my vision therapy before I opened my clinic last year. So it's Dr. Sarah Hutchins, the Vision Development Center. So that's on Facebook as well. Haven't branched into the Instagram world yet. And you know, the social media, the TikTok seems to be a new thing. I don't think I'm going to go there. Not my thing. The other amazing thing for me is though that I'm not super active on social media, which that's not the amazing thing, but it's because I'm so busy. So I have about a five to six month wait list right now. So that's amazing. But I can't, I can't really be saying like, come on in. And I, I want to be telling people I'm here if you need me. But at the same time, the worst thing is they find out that I'm here and I can't see you for six months. So, but, the, but people can find me there and I'm super happy to chat about my experience and my vision, uh, you know, my journey towards things and, and my beliefs about things. And then my email address is uh, drh at thevisiondc.com. Wonderful. That's a, a great problem to have in your clinic. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're so grateful for your time and coming on and we will talk to you listeners next week. Thanks for listening. Follow us at Twin Forks Optometry on Facebook and Instagram. Join our private Facebook group, Vision is More Than 2020. Subscribe, download, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Tune in next week to learn more about your vision.